Hosting for this podcast is generously provided by Transistor at Transistor.fm. You are listening to Storygram Podcast Network. That's right, and it is the second annual, right? Yeah. Gothtober. We are kicking it off with two legendary pieces of media. I am Takeshi, and with me I have Santos. And today we are kicking it off with one of the most legendary animes, mangas, probably ever. I think it's like pretty damn. OG. I was looking it up. We're talking about Devilman Crybaby. But the original series was a manga way back when in 1972. Nice. So this is like OG of OG. The funny thing is the original Devilman is about Akita Fudo. And it was five volumes. It was released June 11th of 1972. It went till June 24th of 1973. The creator or the writer of Devilman is Go Nagi. It's, it's going to be probably like Nagi Go or something. There we go. <laughs> Nagai Go. Nagai Go. Or Go Nagai. Yours is always in between. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> hybrid, yeah. You hybrid it. It's yeah, good. yeah. So he is pretty legendary in the manga world. I mean, of course, Devil Man is. He wrote that in Cutie Honey. Oh my God! I can't believe he wrote Cutie Honey. What's that? I have the live action of it. It's up there. Would it fit into Gothtober? No, of course not. It doesn't sound. No, no. <laughs> 
<laughs> and Magzinger Z, which I've never heard of. Uh, but he's really known for, of course, Devil Man. The anime series was released in 1972 of July 8th in... It went till April 7th of 1973. It was 39 episodes. And then Go Nagi also wrote something called Shin Devil Man. And that was released in May of 1979. And it went till May of 1981. It was one volume, but it was in a Shonen magazine. So it was like a weekly. And so was the other one. There's a novel series, which was released May 13th of 1981, and it went till March of 1982, and it was four volumes. And that was Devilman The Birth. There is another Devilman The Birth and Devilman Bird and Selene, or Serene, and that was released in November 8th of 1987, and it went till July 25th of 1990. It was 15 minutes, and it's two episodes there's a novel series that and that was may 25th of 1999 and went till august 25th of 1999 it was four volumes there's neo devil man which was released in june 21st of 1999 and went till february 21st of 2000 so he's just been doing devil man since the 70s like variations. And- yeah, and he has assistance too because in Neo Devil Man it says it was written by various people. It's like um what would you call it? Like a kind of like an empire. Or like um what do you call it when there's yes. like a a Oh my god, I can't remember. You know right what now. I am talking about yes. though, right? Yes, yes. Franchise. <laughs> like is it a franchise? Yes. Altogether it sold about fifty million mangas. So it really is a franchise. There's Demon Knight, which was written by Gonagi, and that was March 23rd of 2007 and went till July 3rd of 2009. There is Devilman versus Getter Robo, that was released in 2010, and it's one volume. There is <laughs> too much. <laughs> Where's ours? When did we're ours get, we're come getting out? there. We're getting there. Trust me. Oh my God. How many more? <laughs> there is Celine Chan or Serene Chan. And that is August 9th of 2012. And it went till February 9th of 2013. There is also a live action, which was released in 2004. There are spinoff mangas. <gasps> Devilman. Grimmore, that was 2012 to 2013. Devilman vs. Hades, which is 2012 to 2014. Devilman Saga, which went till 2014 to 2020. And then the one we're talking about, Devilman Crybaby, was released in 2018. And January 5th of 2018. And it's 10 volumes. It's They're 24 to 27 minutes each. It was written by Chiro Gokunochi. Oh, uh, that one's a really tough one. All right, here we go. Okochi Chiro. Ichiro Okuchi. Ichiro. Okuchi, okay. And then the music, I'm not sure if you are into the music at all or not. It was pretty interesting. It sounded video gamey to me. It was done by Kensuke Yushio, 
Let's see here. Ushio Kensuke. <laughs> wow. Kensuke Yushio. Ha! Huh. All right. <laughs> More power to me. <laughs> it was licensed by Netflix. It was done by Science Zero, who did all the animation. They're also known for Yokei Watch, which is a pretty popular anime. Oh, Japan's Sinks. That's another one that's done by the same crew. Crayon Shin. Uh, I don't know. Anyway, so they're known for Yokai Watch <laughs> and a bunch of other ones. So Crybaby, like I said before, it does have the original Devilman, which is Akira Fudo. And it's kind of hard to explain the premise of it because it seems like Akira, he doesn't know his parents too well because they're too busy saving the world, I guess is what they always yeah, say. They're like doctors traveling around and curing people. Yeah, and so he is staying at someone else's house, or he has been staying at someone else's house for, like, a long time. Since he was, like, six or something, because they said, like, for, like, ten years, he was living with that other family. Wow, that's a great mm -hmm. family to... I mean, his parents would come visit, but they didn't live Oh, come on, they weren't Japan. there. They weren't there. Mm -mm. They, he stayed with uh, Miki Makemura. They're like a Christian household. It seems like it. Yeah, yeah definitely. Like the Last Supper is on the wall, I think. And and Akira, Akira, he's always been very emotional, especially when hearing about death and people dying. Even if it's on the news, he just starts crying uncontrollably. Hence the name, Crybaby. <laughs> yeah, he's very empathic. That's what we would say now. We would call someone a crybaby. <laughs> say they're very empathic because it's not his feelings he's crying for others like he feels their pain definitely and he's a weakling too he wants to like protect people and protect everybody but because he doesn't really have the strength or the know-how to protect his friends his family he gets beat up a lot he gets beat up or gets picked on because he's crying but he's still standing up to them and trying to protect his friends you're right he's like small he's kind of naive very naive especially in the first episode and then all of a sudden his friend rio appears kind of like a hot shot in a way he is very kind of careless about life in general and he convinces them to go to this club to prove the fact that there are these demons in doing so, like, it's hard to... Well, we get to know Rio as a little boy first with Akira, right? So it's like, and he's like, a, I don't know, he's just very, no emotions, like opposite. And opposite looks too, like, Akira's like got black hair and Rio's got white hair and he always wears kind of white. And then um, they reunite in high school, like... It's not even like they reunite. It's just he appears... Rio shows up again. Like, kind of like, he appeared in his life as a kid and then he like appears again 10 years later and he's yeah like you're right like hot a good word because he's like driving a fast car he doesn't care about laws supposedly he's like a professor like so i don't know if he's like a child genius yeah he's a total prodigy of some sort but like they don't ever really explain like how or why he's so damn smart but he's pretty smart i'll give him that and yeah and they talk about how he shares how he traveled to like south america to 
work with another professor and, and found out that there's these demons, right? Yes. Like that are possessing people. And supposedly they go to these rave clubs. That's what it is. Yeah. And they're attracted to those like crazy clubs. It was called Sabbath, something like that. Yeah. Right? Sabbaths. Yeah. That's right. And it's, Forgot about and it's that. wild and it's like dirty and it's just like sex going on and sexiness and dancing. And there's like a drug that's going around as well. It's like E, but I don't know. Because the other like kind of like subplot that's not really subplot, but part of this whole thing is that Akira is like Mickey, who he lives with, Mickey. She's a runner. And so is he. He's not very good though. She's a really good runner. And they talk about how there's this other high school runner who got really good. And they were saying, oh, they think it's because he took that drug. Oh, right. Well, that was this other track. Yeah. On a different school or something. What was his name? No, I can't remember. Coda, something like that. Oh yeah, Coda. It was easy to remember. <laughs> Everyone has short names. So anyways, but you get that drug from that club though, right? Because I feel like there was also, that was kind of linked, was like that people would take this drug. That's the one thing I was trying to figure out. Was the drug really like the thing that brought out the demons in them or was the demons always there? But then somehow going to that Sabbath or a rave of some sort bondage club i don't know everything was going on yeah everything was going <laughs> was like on everything <laughs> it's like a weird fantasy that what people think clubs are when you go to a club or a crazy club and it's never like that <laughs> this one was and it's like he said they were attracted that that's where the demons kind of hung out or something or, or possessed people there they're attracted to the beat music <laughs> I don't know if it's because it was, yeah, maybe the drugs opened people up. I don't know. So somehow Akira, he gets the demon. I can't remember the demon's name right now. Amon. But okay, this anime is dark and it is violent and it is bloody. Yeah. And so in Rio, it's psycho. And so it's like he's slicing up people because he said demons like blood. I was like, what is going <laughs> on? And then it's like the demons start coming out remember like and it's like kind of like a weird demon people not even a battle because it's more like a slaughter and then that one and then somehow how does he get i don't know how he gets possessed but i think one of them like forces a pill down his throat but yeah. why does he get him on i don't even know if we saw him on beforehand all of a sudden he was possessed and he was saving rio because i think he thought rio was in danger yeah he thought rio was in danger somehow I don't know. Something with a demon, something like that. It's like real chaotic too. So some of the animation scenes, like the fights and that, it's very chaotic. So it's hard to keep track of what's going on. Yes. Yeah, so Rio's and Akira's goal pretty much is to expose and get rid of all the demons. And the reason why Rio is different is because he has a human heart still, which I don't know why he has a human heart and all the other ones don't. Well, because other people just got fully possessed and then he didn't get fully possessed. He has like the ability to transform. But why? Why? Because he has such a beautiful heart and he was so empathic before. So he wasn't, he didn't get, he never lost who he was. That's I'll right. go with that. But that's what they say. <laughs> but there are other ones. There are other devil. There men. are others, but there's not like a lot. Their whole goal is to get rid of all the demons. But Rio has like this whole entire master plan where he wants to expose that demons are out there to the world 
because he thinks if he does expose them, then everybody will freak out and it'll be humans versus demons. Yeah, at first, Rio seemed like on board with like keeping it quiet and because he didn't want anyone to know. And then it was like, let's just do this. And then he started getting this master plan of like, we're going to reveal it. And he knew it was not going to go well, but he kind of tried to sell it like it would go well. Right. I want to say something though, that Akira gets this um, demon possession and then he becomes like really muscular and strong. He gets a way better runner. So he's like on team, he's eating a lot of meat. It's like, if he had sexual fantasies before, they're like a billion percent high, <laughs> like more intense. It changes them completely. And so and where before you could tell he looked very weak and everything and he didn't have much muscles. He was very scrawny. And then when he does get changed into Oman, or he has that soul in him or whatever you want to call it, all of a sudden he has like this really cool angular shape. It looks like he has this really nice eyeliner on yes. all the time. <laughs> But he's very buff, and you can see all his muscles and his package. He's just different. And he's completely different. So Amon definitely possessed him in a certain way, but because his heart's so pure, I guess, he still was able to maintain being a human. Yeah, he was maintaining control of his desires and that sort of thing. So then you kind of see where, I don't know, once you learn how he changed and stuff, you can see where other characters who were acting weird you're like oh (laughs) maybe that's what happened and there's other you know like supporting characters who end up getting possessed some have some success in some ways or not (laughs) (laughs) so this is definitely goth in every single way santos and i talked about this before i mean at first i forgot how crazy violent and sexually explicit it was (laughs) but then when i watched it i was like i thought about it i was like yeah it's pretty much goth you know your main character is very emotional about death he has very nice eyeliner (laughs) he wears (laughs) black all the time (laughs) he has like unrequited love right like he's like pining for this girl and he loves her more than just like not like oh a crush it's like his reason for being like it's deep like it's a deep love it has really nice dark electronic music Mm -hmm, it does also like this whole like christian satanic theme is very goth to me yeah (laughs) it's so goth but it gets messed up like i watched probably like four or five and i was like yeah i like this and then i kept watching it i'm like this thing is dark and i can't wait till it's over because there's some horrible situations that they put their characters in that are just like, what would you do morally? Like, they're just like with you. I feel like that's what the creators are doing. Cause it's like messed up, like some of the stuff. It seems like at the same time too, like Devil Man is definitely like the audience. Like why the hell would you be doing something like this? Why are you killing all these people when we should only be killing the bad demons? That's what's so cool about it because Devil Man is to me like, I want to fix this. But he also knows that he has this conscience where it seems like more and more that Rio does not have that at all. Period. No. And I say we reveal. I say everyone close their ears if they haven't watched it. <laughs> Come back. But that's like a big part of it. Rio has like no parents. He has a caretaker named Psycho Jenny. <laughs> 
That's right. I had like a messed up character. She looks so creepy. So they're psycho Jenny. So I just wanted to bring that side character up because it's just so funny to me. <laughs> it's like demented. Yeah, she looks like she's had like a ton of plastic surgery or something. And like so yeah. much. She looks like this weird doll. But yeah, she's like really, she's really strong. Creepy. She's got this creepy smile like on her face all the time. Yeah. Okay. So this is where we're going to start the spoilers. By episode seven, because that's where I stopped again, something's happening. And by the time you get to eight, it's revealed that he is also a demon of some sort or no, something, Mira right? is Satan. He's Satan. Okay. That's like what he is. is the Satan. Like he was kicked out of heaven. <laughs> oh, <laughs> and he gets okay. you like reincarnated as Rio as a boy because he came to the planet. No wonder he was such a little. Because he, he said he was like, oh, subconsciously i've been planning this or something and so he kind of like came into his own so he's just like pure evil and so the demons kind of work for him it turns out like surprise and he did not like humans you could tell that he did not care by like episode six or so because yeah because kara's like what are you doing like why yeah like you said he's the only one with a conscience (laughs) so you're like he knows right and wrong it's weird too when you kind of think about that because you're like, why is this the only guy with a conscience? And nobody mm-hmm. else. And I also will say, pandemonium strikes the world. You know, okay, so that's kind of the cool thing. And I think that this Devil Man Crybaby series is more relevant now than when it was released because you could watch this and like connect it to like what's going on with covid right now and how everybody is like treating each other over like toilet paper and people who are anti-vaxxers versus people are doing vaccinations you're totally i was thinking that because what he did was he said oh anybody could be a demon it's safer to kill them if you think they're a demon than to wait to find out that they actually are a demon so he just turned humans against humans and so they're like stoning people if you notice any change in a friend that means they've probably been possessed. So he planted all these seeds, like what has happened, like you said, with all the insane media, internet, crazy <laughs> going on in our politics. And it really just turned the world upside down. Except there's actual literal demons bursting out of people. So it's much scarier. I think the other part I noticed with myself watching this, I think pre-pandemic, I would have been like, oh, people wouldn't do that. And now I'm like, yeah, yes, it seems about right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> While watching, I was like, God damn, this feels like I'm just watching the news right now. I realized I'm an optimistic person. I'm not as optimistic anymore after the last two years or whatever. Like I was like, oh, I really... I don't really have a, I don't know. <laughs> I just maybe realize how little hope I have. Yeah, also just like the insurrection, right? Yes. It totally looked like a scene from Devil Man. Mm-hmm. I was like, holy f- this is actually kind of ahead of its time. And if the manga came out way back when, it's really ahead of its time. <laughs> Definitely. It does feel like it's playing out in some ways. You're like, oh, like, so we don't have like a wonderful devil man crybaby to be like, don't do that. <laughs> Anyways, it's dark. Oh, oh, side note on like some of the sub characters. Did you like the little rap trio? Right. I just thought that was fun that they had some musicians in there, some rappers. I dug that. That was actually pretty cool. It was fun watching the translation of the words versus what they were saying too. It was a little bit different. 
Yeah. So that was kind of cool. And there's like a nice character arc kind of there with them coming together. The dubs were pretty good. I like the dubs. The character development was pretty interesting because everything was so damn sexualized. They were there and they were all really well written to an extent. It's not like I missed out on any of the characters or anything. No, I thought it was interesting. And then you kind of wanted to root for people. And I honest, and this is definitely a spoiler. I definitely thought there was going to be a love conquers all kind of vibe going on (laughs) because of um, Miki was just so loving and kind and Akira just loved her so much. I thought there'd be some sort of thing of healing and <laughs> no it's dark the end is very dark the ending's great though maybe we won't ruin that part for everybody but that part was pretty cool just like the last scene and you're just like what the f- is happening did he win yeah <laughs> kind of i guess it's like not the winning you think that were normally like you know like with action movies it's like the good guy wins and it's kind of like that like it's not in the same way like the avengers where everybody just kind of wins and everything gets wrapped (laughs) up i know i've mentioned this so many times where this it ends and then it just fades out you're like oh god that was good And then I was thinking, it made me think of Depeche Mode and like, God has sick sense of humor. So (laughs) that's what it felt like. I felt like that was the theme. I was like, oh. Yeah. To start Gothtober with Devilman. Yeah, it's definitely goth in every single way. It's very violent. (laughs) The animation is really good. The voice acting, the writing is great. I've seen it already. I guess I saw it when it came out, and I I just didn't remember a lot of the that happened in it, but still, it's, like, really, really good. Yeah, I was like, wow. So, (laughs) it was good. It's not something I particularly like to watch because it is so violent and gruesome, but I did it, and I enjoyed it. (laughs) (laughs) And then, lo and behold, uh, you sent me a picture of uh, a devil man that Bart has. Yeah, he has a figure. He was like, what are you watching? Well, Devil Man Crybaby. He's like, I don't know what the Crybaby part is, but I have a Devil Man. <laughs> he like, found him in his collection. I was like, ah, I don't know when he got it. Oh, yeah. And let's talk about what Devil Man, the original series, did inspire. Before we wrap it up, there is a Devil Man song on the White Zombie Astro Creep 2000. You know, the Devil Man, Devil Man, blah, blah. Yeah, that's an inspiration of devil man nice neon genesis evangelion they were inspired and influenced by this series nice i'm sure it's inspired a lot of artists yeah totally i don't like evangelion but some people do and i could kind of see like how that would be a direct influence <laughs> Not I've watched Crybaby and if, if the original series did inspire him. Yeah, I see that. Anyway, check it out. I don't think we could say any more about it. Yeah, put it on your Gothtober list. Unless you really don't like violence and like weird sexual stuff, like don't watch it then. Well, okay, but then you're not goth. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> but what if you're a goth that you just like poetry and like, you know what I mean? You don't have to like violence. Um. 
<laughs> sure. But yeah, it's definitely good for Gothtober. I was, yeah, good kickoff. All right. We'll be right back. Storygram Network. Hello, welcome to One Media, One Media. I'm your host, Takeshi, and with me I have Santos, and we take two pieces of media, and we take a deep dive on them. Kind of. We just talk about it. Kind of. Hi, my name is Laura Lee, and this is It's Not About Food. So it's not about food, and it's not about weight. What is it about? It's the intersection of possibility, where what-ifs and why-nots collide. Some on the cutting edge, others on the cutting room floor. It's a place I like to call The Bleed. We sip our cares away, and you can do the same, cause you're in a safe place when you're whining with nurses. Storygram Network. We are back, and we're going to talk about Dead Can Dance. Di- Wait, well, how, how do you say this? Dionysus? I say Dionysus. Dionysus. Yeah. We should Google Translate that. Maybe I'm saying it wrong. What language do you think it's in? Greek. Greek. All right. It's a Greek god. Greek so. god. All right. All right. Hold on here. Maybe it's in English, but it's. We don't know how to pronounce it. Dionysius. That's what I always said. Dionysius. I don't know why I put it sound. Okay, here we go. Here we go. Dionysios. Dionysios. Dionysus. 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 I like the Greek, though. Dionysios. Dionysios. <laughs> yes, Dead Can Dance. Dead Can Dance, another OG of goth music. I think their first album came out in 1981. This is their last studio album they have done. It is a duo of Lisa Gerard and Brandon Perry. They formed in 1981. Um, Brandon Perry, or Brendan Perry, I'm sorry. He's done quite a bit, actually, when you look at his early career he was in a band called the scavengers and then they departed and then they created something else called the marching girls it was like the new zealand punk scene right yes australian slash new zealand punk scene they were heavily influenced by the stooges dead can dance was formed with perry and Simon Monroe and Paul Erickson and later Lisa would join the band too. The f- worst part about being so obscure is finding interviews and because the actual album on the wiki, there is not much about it. Actually, Santos, you know more about this than probably I do. All I know is it was released November 2nd of 2018. It was recorded at Kerr Laddell Studios. Oh. <laughs> That's it. I typically don't do very much research. If you've been listening, <laughs> just listen. But this one, I felt drawn to research a little bit more about Dead Can Dance because I didn't know if it was like a band or what. Like who was in the band? Like I needed to know. 
I'd heard about Dead Can Dance for a long time, but I never jumped into any albums. It's big in one of the dance communities I'm part of. So I'm like embarrassed, but I didn't know more about them. So I was like, I better research this. But I don't know so much about this album either because I read two interviews, each one interviewing only one of the duo, not together, like separately. And I did get a little bit more information about they work together in different ways, but this album is mostly Perry's work. And Lisa was not super fan of the myth of Dionysus. And so she kind of was like, Ugh, what? Like I was thinking to about what? And she kind of like backed off. And so he did the lion's share, I think is the quote. Like he did the lion's share of this album. So I thought that was interesting. And she even said that too. Oh, I didn't really work on that one. So I thought that was an interesting tidbit that they work together in, in kind of odd ways. Like one person will have something and then she added some stuff to it or something like that. It seemed kind of organic how they work together. And then I think she misunderstood the myth as well. He said she has more Christian beliefs. And so she couldn't really get behind it. But he had also mentioned that he sent her probably a story where Dionysus is the god of like wine and I don't know, kind of like wildness. And so they have, there's a song called The Dance of the Bacchanots. And the and those are kind of like the followers of Dionysus, these women. And I guess like the story he sent her, it was like these women going kind of crazy and like ripping up animals. And she was like, disgusted, <laughs> which who wouldn't be? But that's not the point of Dionysus. And he doesn't really go into it. But I, like from my studies of my other dance community I'm in, it's more of like a philosophical thing of like, Hold on here. Looking at the wiki, I think he sent her the wiki because it just says Dionysus. And the most generic version of what Dionysus or who he was is the god of grape harvest, winemaking, and wine, of fertility, orchards, and fruit, vegetation, and insanity, ritual badness, religious ecstasy, festivity, and theater, and Greek religion and myth. That is just so vague of who this god is he must have sent her something along that line with something else in there like how he was kind of bad or whatever. yeah i kind of thought it was interesting that it was like why didn't you explain it better but um <laughs> in the in how i learned about dionysus was with the dance of israel duncan who studied greek myth and stuff and that informed her art way back in the early 1900s but we looked at it more as there's a balance there's one god apollo who's more like the sun and like more I don't know, upstanding. Like he's not having wild parties like Dionysus is. So she was always balancing like kind of like the head and the heart, like working hard, having technique and skill and then abandon. Like how do you then have that artistic abandon built in? So I always thought of it in that kind of philosophical way, that ecstasy and artistic abandon. So whatever, I guess she wasn't into it. So that was something I heard. Also, she doesn't always sing in English. Often she sings in a language she made up when she was a like 12. I think she was young when she started singing in a pretend language that she calls kind of like the language of the heart. So it's a very emotional singing from like the emotions. I thought that was interesting. Now, do they both sing in this language and they can dance or no? I'm not sure. Cause you're right. Cause I think he sings a little bit on this too, right? Yeah, he does. And I couldn't understand what the f- they were saying. Yeah, so it could have just been like they sing in these this other language or sounds or whatever. It, just, it sounds really beautiful. Or maybe they're singing in Greek. Also, this album, I thought, oh, do they have a lot of influence of North African and Central Asian music? But 
they didn't really bring that up. They always say that they have a lot of influence. At least Lisa had talked about like Baltic, Eastern European influences with her music and European. But some of this to me sounds like belly dance music, like drum beats and things where I'm like, (laughs) I don't know. Yeah, even the interview you sent me of Perry, it was good, but then at the same time, it was hard to read at times and it was hard to get through because he was answering the questions, but he wasn't really answering them in depth or something. Both interviews I read, you're right. Lisa's interview was like, she'd answer in like literally one sentence. Yeah. Like it was like super short. She wouldn't elaborate. And then he would elaborate on things that didn't really, sorry, I wasn't interested. <laughs> I was like, yeah, right. oh, okay, exactly. cool. Like, I don't know if they're both kind of aloof. They're kind of mysterious. <laughs> well, that's, oh, it's part of being goth. <laughs> exactly. And I'm sure all the Dead King Dance fans are like, we've read 200 interviews. You're an idiot. There's all this information out there. But I feel like you probably have to read a lot of interviews to get to know them over time or something. Does that make sense? Like they're not like other bands, like you said, like where it's like a wiki and you can like really just get the facts about them. Yeah. It's not like looking up, say, The Cure or the Bauhaus or whatever, mm-hmm. where you can get all this And I don't know if they would, I guess they might consider themselves goth, but they're definitely outsiders, even in the goth scene in some ways. Yeah. But if you listen to that first couple albums, I mean, those albums are goth and I can't tell if it's because of the lack of production and everything was slightly lo-fi so it gave it that colder sound but it was pretty damn goth Mm -hmm. but the same time compared to the newest one it's along the same wheelhouse like you kind of tell that they are going to develop into this album and grow into what they're doing now where Sometimes when you listen to some artists and their newer stuff, you're like, ah, God, what Yes Man told him this was good. (laughs) I want to know. Yeah. uh. Only other fact that I really thought was interesting that stood out about Lisa's work outside of Dead Can Dance is she does movies. So she's done a ton of movie scores. Oh, that's right. Starting with like Heat. She worked on like the movie Heat or something. And then from there, she just kept going. So I know I can't think of any of them, of course. Oh, my God. She's done a ton. Gladiator, Ali, which is Muhammad Ali. Yeah, she's done quite a bit. Yeah. And then Brendan's interview talked about how he didn't feel as affected by the pandemic because I think he works more on music, maybe in a studio, but she tours a lot. And so he said she was really quite affected by it because she had her own stuff that she was touring. So I did not do like a super deep dive search, but I couldn't get any intel on like their relationship. <laughs> was it just like a music friendship, like partnership? Were they ever together? Was Because, you know, they like moved to England, like they went from Australia to England together. Are they just like best friends? Are they friends anymore? Like I couldn't really tell. Is it more of a business now? Because they did break up. They are were on a hiatus. I think it was 98. And like, why? Like, I didn't get any of that. <laughs> there is no good dirt or anything. No. No, that's what I wanted. Ah. <laughs> I didn't look hard enough. <laughs> you see, 
sometimes Wikipedia is hard because it is more based on whoever loves that band more. And so they'll put more information into it. Or this is very vague. That's because their fans are like probably so protective of them. There's probably a secret Dead Can Dance Wikipedia we don't know about that like, they are like a fan board or something because I'm sure their fans just want to keep them to themselves. Oh yeah, they probably have their own like bulletin or something along that line or their own group on Facebook. Mm-hmm. But I really like this album. I think it's really great. Oh yeah, okay, let's get into the album. Yeah, I yeah, think... Sorry. No, no, it was more of my fault. We just went off on a tangent. Dionysus, it is really interesting listening to it now after i've been to enough festivals and all this other stuff because if i haven't been to burning man and things like that i've been to enough parties and events where it seems like they are kind of trying to attract that crowd to me this isn't as goth as their other albums which I guess you could use that with their original albums, but this one definitely has more... Well, the other ones have some beats in it. It seems like, okay, the first half doesn't have as much of a driving beat, but then the more you get into it, it has a little bit more of this driving beat in it where it could be definitely danceable. Things could be choreographed to this, or even mixed. It's very, very clean and big sounding sometimes when i listen to it the way the bass is reacting to the music that's more of what they would do in a dance tune to me listening to this it even sounds like more current dance music in a way like some of these producers if it just took one thing out in this music and put another thing in it would be like done by some when some of these top producers who make a lot of this dance music there's like this whole entire crowd that only writes in like 432 it's this whole entire the real a i don't want to get into it <laughs> another day <laughs> <laughs> That's definitely going to be another day. This album? Yes, album. <laughs> I wouldn't think that's what he would have made this. Like, they wouldn't have made this album for that crowd. Yes, but to me, like, listening to it, it's spot on. I just want to say that it is in two acts. There's, like, the first three songs are act one and the rest are act two. It's a short album. There's only seven songs on it. And it's like a play. It feels like it. Like you said, it feels like you can choreograph to it or create a dance or something. And that to me is like, again, like a Greek thing, maybe like going to that idea of like the plays. I don't know. Cause I didn't find out any information about the album, but in ancient Greek plays had actors, but they also had singers and they always had dance. They always had music and dance to all of their plays. So I don't know if he was inspired by that. And that's what he was creating. I definitely feel like definitely like that kind of like tribal fusion world <laughs> okay yeah you, you yeah that's definitely a better way of saying it than my other explanation in there. in there because um because it's so relevant it's so weird how relevant like listening to it like right now after like i said going to all these festies this would fit right in just right there yeah but it's good i don't know i liked it did you think it was cheesy or something no 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 no. i'm not trying to put it down or anything i think it's actually really damn good i was just in shock about how crazy and relevant it is to today's music oh 
like you didn't think maybe they'd keep up after starting in the 80s. <laughs> right. Like I thought, okay, they're just going to do their earthy dead can dance music or whatever and do a nod to the goth music. And then that's about it. Where to me, this is way better than what I was expecting out of it. Oh, nice. Yeah, I definitely think it does have an earthy feel to it, though. Like, you're right. But that makes sense with Dionysus. Like, you know, he was earthy. He was that kind of, like, abandoned. And Looking up just the generic explanation that I just yeah. told you about. Yeah, it fits it to a T, but there's a lot more to it. And it's strange going back and listening to their older stuff and then listening to this one and going, okay, this is what's happening. And this is where they're supposed to be right now. And I'm actually really looking forward to their other music because like I went through the catalog and I was like, okay, they're growing into this album to an extent. I want to listen to more. I haven't. So I've only listened to this. So I'm excited to do a deep dive. Also, I think they were touring. Mm, they were supposed to tour, but then the pandemic happened and they were going to do a lot of their old music too. Yeah, they did release a whole bunch of live albums recently. Mm-hmm. So y'all can check that out. It looks like they released at least seven or eight live albums recently. Do you have any favorite songs? Yes, but I don't know the names to them. That's what I did. I'm like, oh, do I know? I I know I liked the first song. I like how it starts. So So what we should do, I think we should only pick one song because it's only seven songs on here. Yeah, we'll each pick one. You're going to pick the first one? I don't know what I want then. I want the first one or the third song. So what do you want? I think I'm going to go more in the second act. Perfect. You're going to pick the first one or you want to do the third one? See, the third one, I have like kind of a, that's the one where I feel like there's a lot more influence like North Africa and like Central Asia and like more belly dance. So maybe play that because that's where I'm saying, that's where I'm hearing it. All right. All right. Let's go with that. not forget that the vocals were incredible it's really well produced the instruments are really awesome i guess i was trying to over explain the feeling of the album versus like the production some of the instruments i can't tell what they really are some of them sounds like hurdy-gurdies and instruments like that but then they have like cricket sounds in there sometimes, but I can't tell if it's like a weird sample or if it's really a cricket sound because sometimes it just sounds fake in there. 
they play like international instruments. Don't they have like an odd array of instruments that they typically play? I forget what she's really good at. It's like, um, I can't remember. I don't even know if she plays it on this though. Like I said, I don't know how much she would, she was like, I didn't really work on it. <laughs> it's like, oh, and it was like end of the answer. So I was like, okay. So the song I'm going to go for is act two, Evocation. I'm going to start in a part where it starts driving it a little bit more. You see that song right there? It sounds like it could be played like on a big sound system at a festival. It does. It reminds me a lot of, not a lot, so I don't want people to get mad or anything, but it reminded me of Nyaz. That's why I was like, oh, this has much more of a different sound than what I was expecting from when I read about what they said their influences are. Like you said, to me, it has that. Yeah. I mean, listen to that bass, how it's just like rolling in there and stuff. And it's just like, what the f*** is going on? This sounds like festy music to me. I wish someone would just send us that article we need to read. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Someone has the research out there. (laughs) Maybe they've been interviewed on YouTube or something. I don't know. Well, I looked up this album in general, and there was nothing else except for the album and some live stuff that they did. Not a ton of reviews. (laughs) Nope. I'm really surprised the Neil Drop didn't review this, actually. So, go figure. I think anybody should check this out and then check out their catalog because that's what happened with me. I was like, whoa, this is pretty crazy. I've listened to Dead Can Dance before in the 90s uh, when I was in a makeup class, stage makeup, and someone happened to have an early album. I think it was Into the Labyrinth, and that's what really kicked it off for me in general that one's definitely like a little bit more goth than this album but still this is a definitely good way to kick off gothtober it is oh my goth month (laughs) yeah get ready get ready we already have everything geared up so check it out anything else you want to say about this album i liked it it's super short so it's not going to take up a lot of your time to try it out and uh yeah and i'm just really excited for our gothtober it's yeah. like the best month out of the year i think we push it to be five weeks and um <laughs> <laughs> and but it's still like not a lot of time to like really cover everything of a genre like goth at this point yeah and about this album a little bit more this might be up in my top five because i was such in shock about how cool it was and how good it sounded and how relevant it is for today. Yeah, nice. Anyway, so you could find me on all social medias at Glitch Unicorn. And you can find me on some social medias as Sister Santos. So happy Gothtober. <laughs> you need like a spooky laugh after that. Or like music. <laughs> so- 
exit, yes. outro yes. us. <laughs> Usually I do. <laughs> All right. <Bye. laughs>